0: Will you please turn in your Bible with me to Acts chapter 20? Acts chapter 20. We've been in a series looking at how God grows the church. We looked at some big picture things, and now the last several weeks we've been in Acts chapter 19, 18, 19, 20, and we're looking specifically at the Apostle Paul's ministry, how he's building the church, and how he is developing the people as he's instilling in them the word of God, and there's a lot of relationship, there's a lot of things happening. There's also great reactions happening within the the communities where they're preaching. So we've seen wonderful high times of great glorious things where in chapter 19, all of Asia has heard the word of God, which is incredible. Even in a time without YouTube, they have all heard the word of God. (laughs) Then we've had other times that have been kind of low times. And what's happened at the end of chapter 19 is a riot has broken out in the city of Ephesus. They have a great temple there to the goddess Artemis that they believe in. And so the silversmiths have lost all their business, and they've stirred up a riot amongst the people because they are going bankrupt, because nobody's buying idols anymore. And this guy, Paul, he's to blame. So they want to kill Paul, and the disciples there, all the people who are following the Lord, which they call at this time, they're calling this the way, those who are following the way of Christ, are withholding Paul, keeping him back from speaking out to the crowds in Ephesus because they're murderous. So a city official stands up. Um, the people have arrested two of the disciples in this kerfuffle that happens. You know, I love that word, kerfuffle. That occurs. This is a big kerfuffle. This arena that they're in, archaeologically, we have found seats over 20,000 people. So all of Ephesus has come out, and they don't even know why. Anyway, praise the Lord. I was going to make a sports joke, but I won't. So they've all come out. They're stirred up. And two disciples have been arrested. The the people, the Christians, are withholding Paul from speaking because they don't want him harmed. And then this ends. And now we come to chapter 20. So let's read on as Paul is going. One thing I want you to watch for here is the urgency at which the mission is going forward and Paul is moving. Uh, He is on a mission to get to Jerusalem eventually and then Rome. That's where he wants to get. So he's stopping off places for a few months here and there. Remember, travel is very slow in this time period. So when you stop somewhere, you got to refit, and then the weather affects things. So staying somewhere for a couple months is actually moving very quickly in this time. He's, he's on the bullet train, if you will. So Acts chapter 20, let's read together. We're going to read the first section here through verse 6, and then we'll pick up in verse 7 here again in a minute. So chapter 20, verse 1 says this. After the uproar ceased, that was the big riot that happened in Ephesus, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to, about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Pater of Berea, the son of Phyrus of Berea, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonicans, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychius and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days we came to them at Troas, where we, wait, where we stayed then for seven days. Praise the Lord for his word. Now who's the I? Sometimes I like to ask real questions. So if, you, if you're a guest with us, don't feel like you have to answer. But who's the I? Because they say, then they met with us, and I, we went. Who's the I that's talking? It's Luke, the Apostle Luke. And so Luke is uh, Paul's disciple. So Luke is a, a Greek guy. He's a physician. He's really smart. He's well-educated. He likes to be very detailed in his writing. His Greek is possible to understand. And so Luke is, uh, writes <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke, which was a compilation of all of the eyewitness accounts from Peter and others who were with Jesus. He's talking to them along with Paul, and he's writing down a compilation with all the details that they can get of everybody who saw Jesus raised from the dead. That's the Gospel of Luke. His second edition, if you will, his second big chapter in his letters, is the Acts of the Apostles as he's writing the history of the early church. And so the eye that's talking here is Luke, who's accompanying Paul, and all these other people. This is an interesting little list here. First of all, isn't it funny how in verse 3, they spend three months in Greece, and then there's a plot that's made against the Jews to try to murder Paul, and he kind of just, okay, we'll go on, and moves. Like, there's, there's a lot of things happening in this little chunk of Scripture that we read and not a lot of details about them. And so for three months... He's amongst the disciples. He's teaching them. When this plot comes up, they decide to move him on, and he's going to return in, instead of going. Remember, his ultimate goal is Jerusalem. He's going to go through Macedonia. This is modern-day Greece as he's going through. Then they read this list of people who are with him. So starting at verse 4, there's Sopater, Phyrus. Uh, from Thessalonica, there's uh, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, now Aristarchus and Gaius, we saw in chapter 19, were the two disciples that had been arrested in Ephesus. So they tried to stand up and speak to the crowd during the big riot with all the people, and they got arrested once the crowd realized that they were speaking out on behalf of Jews and such because they were shouting, great is their idol, Artemis of the Ephesians. That was the rallying cry of the people. So somehow they've gotten out of jail now, praise the Lord. We don't have any details on that and they're coming back to go with Paul. We see a few other people. Anything you notice about these names? Tychius, Trophimus. What do you notice about these? Anybody? A lot of syllables. (laughs) A lot of syllables. That's true. Yes. A lot of them are Greek names. So we're during the Roman Empire right now, which extends through Greece and through Asia Minor and through... Uh, Egypt and the northern part of Africa into the Middle East, also like Italy and Europe. This is all Roman Empire stuff. So a lot; these are all Roman Empire names. Some of them are kind of like Timothy. Kind of name is Timothy. Is that a Hebrew name? Wasn't no. One in of yeah, he's eventually that's Paul's like kind of main disciple, really. So Luke is one main disciple, but Timothy's the one who's going to take over leadership of most of the chur- churches from Paul later. Um, but he is not exactly a, a Jewish guy. Timothy is Timothy's a Greek name, and so he's not Jewish. How many of these guys are Jewish? Okay, a couple? Gaius of Derby actually is a Jew, but he's got not a very Jewish name, which is weird. Sopater, does that sound Jewish? Nope. Phyrus, none of these sound very Jewish. Here's why this is significant. Paul's main mission in taking these people with him... Everybody's looking at me like, why are we looking at the names? (laughs) Paul's main mission in taking these people with him is eventually to get to Jerusalem. The reason he needs to get to Jerusalem is because the Christians there have had major suffering. Most of the Christians in Jerusalem are what nationality? Jewish. And they've had suffering because... There's been a crackdown of the Romans against the Jewish people. Now, the Jewish people have had all kind of their own political things outside of Christianity and things that have been happening. But the Christian Jews who are in Jerusalem are suffering not only from the Romans, but also from the Jewish officials. And Paul was one of those people doing that originally. He was in charge of seeking out, torturing and killing or stopping however he had to with the power of the Roman military from the Jewish high priest all of the Christians. That was his job. On the way to do that, after having succeeded a little bit, like the stoning of Stephen in the beginning of Acts, who was one of the first deacons, Paul is radically converted because he sees Jesus. And Jesus appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? By persecuting my people. And Paul falls on his face. He goes blind for a while. He gets healed from the blindness. It's miraculous, all these things. But Paul is is an influential person. He's a lawyer of lawyers amongst the Pharisees. He is Harvard-trained. He's a big deal. And now he's serving the way. And he's taking with him non-Jews who are on a journey to all the churches around in the surrounding Asian areas, basically, as he's, he's gathering a collection from them of monies to bring back to the Jewish Christians who are suffering, which is? beyond belief in this time. Why would a Greek or a Roman citizen give the second-class citizen Jewish scum, because that's how they were viewed, money to help the Christians that are in poverty? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Also, Paul, who is, did you want to say something? Yeah, well, Please. Guys, so is, is a yes, from Berea. A Yes, they're very. Yeah, they, they are very academic, and they want to know. And he, in fact, there's two Berean. Well, he's the son of a well-known Berean, who's accompanying him. Yes. So Sopater is, and and it's funny because all the guys with that kind of end up linking up with Paul. Most of them are pretty academic. Yeah. You got you know Luke the physician, and he's got Timothy, who's a young guy, but he's been well trained. And now the Bereans and Bereans are known for coming to scripture and seeking it out and they want to know and they want to be wise in our age that's isn't that a great when you're a little kid you want to be the you know the soccer goal guy but then when you're like not 20s we'll forget that past 30s you're like wise that's a good wise for our age amen 20s you're just figuring it out next week we're going to pray for all our college kids by the way and it's going to be awesome just because because it'll it'll come up in the text Yeah, but these guys, and they're, they're coming with Paul. So now Paul, as a Jew, is not just receiving money by himself. He actually has a group of people that is demonstrating accountability. And these are important people and Bereans, and they're known. And so these guys are helping hold this money to get it to the Jews so that Paul cannot be accused of anything. But the fact that they're standing with him to bring money to this people group is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so they are standing with Paul to do something amazing. And I want to point out two names to you that are really important. The first one is Aristarchus. This is in verse 4. Aristarchus was one of the guys who got arrested. Now, Aristarchus is a very interesting name. What does it sound like in English? Aristotle or? Aristocrat. Because Aristarchus is a royal name. So this guy is something special. Think of it this way. When a riot breaks out with over 20,000 people in Ephesus, this guy goes, do you know who my family is? Let's quiet down. I have something to say. And then gets arrested for it. But he's special. His name is very special. Very few disciples have names like this. Very few people have names like this. This is the kind of name where if somebody walks in and they're like, hello, my name is Goldschmidt. You're like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or hello, my name is whatever. Any Pick any famous person you want. It's, it's a known name. It's special. But he's traveling with another guy in verse 4 right next to him, Aristarchus and Secundus. Secundus sounds a lot like second, doesn't it? That's because it means second best slave. Second best slave. So Aristarchus, highest of high, known family, I'll stop the riot, and second best slave, are entrusted together with Paul, to go get the offerings from all the churches to come help suffering Jews in Jerusalem. That's it makes my hair on my arms stand up because this is if you want to talk about anti-racism, this this is it. This is second best slave. You, that guy's not Roman. And Aristarchus, Roman of Roman, together with the word and separating them. And no, you know, isn't it funny too that there's no, there's nothing in there. Aristarchus, we all know him. Secundus, let me introduce him because no one knows him. That doesn't happen at all in the text. It's just, these are the people of God. These are the sons of the Most High. They're walking with Paul. Also a servant to the Most High. Give us this money. We need it for these people who are suffering. We're going. Here we go. I'm going to spend three months with you. What? They want to kill me? That's fine. We'll go this way. It's am- this, these verses are incredible. And the danger that's happening and the urgency that's happening, but the mixture of people who are serving God together is mind-boggling. On a mission to do something that's unheard of in the world at this time. Maybe you'd serve your own tribe. Jesus said it this way. Love has no greater thing than this, than someone who would lay down their life for their friend. Because everybody would lay down their life for their friend. Maybe even for somebody who has a good name. Maybe even for somebody that you know and has a good reputation. But who would love and serve a second class citizen or an enemy? But Jesus demonstrated by his death that he came to serve those who were traitors to the most high. He came to serve those who could not save themselves, who were dead in their trespasses, who had gone on a path of absolute rebellion. And for them, not the best friend, not those honorable, Jesus lays down his life for Secundus, for Aristarchus, for you and for me. And now as one people together, we'll do whatever he says. And you could feel the missional pull of what Paul is doing in this path. And it's only a couple verses and suddenly it comes to light of, my God, they're, they're doing what it says. They're living out the law. They're honoring Jesus. They're serving him. They're going together. There's, they're breaking down all the divisions. They're just looking for what God is doing, and they want to do what he's doing. How awesome is that? How does God grow the church? He doesn't do it through classes. Like class and money. You know, it's funny because a lot of us think if I had a better name, God could use me. What if your name, last name, was Obama or Trump or Clinton or Bush or Roosevelt or Washington? Man, if I was a Washington, that would be something. Then I'd walk. People would. Then if I ran for office, people would vote for me. Then I could bring righteousness. But Secundus is just, you know, his name is second best slave. It's not that they call him Secundus because he's the second best slave. His name is second best slave. Hey, second best slave, come here. That's his name. And then they bring him into church and they say, give your money to second best slave. He's faithful. He knows the Lord. He's here to serve you. And you say, Lord, if my name was, I don't know, something better. Brad Pitt then we could do it. it would, you'd use me then. And it's not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because his blood is enough. Because Christ's death and his resurrection is enough. It's everything. He is everything. When we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, it takes away all those other things. Now, having said that, I hope we all have great names. Wouldn't it be great? It is. Think about all the, there's great names around. Ford Motor Company because of Ford. It'd be great if we all have great names, wouldn't it? It'd be great if we all have buildings named after us. What could we do for the kingdom? Amen, wonderful. And also, it's not the goal, but the world has made the goal. Get your name on the building. Instead, the goal is, let his name resound through all of Asia, through everywhere, and through Jerusalem where they're hurting. We're gonna go there, and they probably wanna kill us. It's gonna be great. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, what? But that's, that's it, and it's dangerous to follow Jesus. It's dangerous because undershadowing this have two places now in chapter 19 and 20 where they're like, let's murder this dude, Paul. And two of them already have already been in jail for it. Wild. What excuses do we have? You know, I had a, a friend that recently I was talking to, and he uh, asked me, he goes, hey, I, I was, he's a great guy. I really like him. We're, we're new friends, so we're just coming out of acquaintance to friends and um, he's a wonderful guy, and we got together, and his first question was, what books are you reading? Which is a great question, isn't it? But it caught me off guard, because I was like, how's your family? Books? Okay. Um, Who? What am I reading? Um, A lot of church security books lately, and uh, I just read a C.S. Lewis one, and then I was doing a bunch of research for stuff, so I haven't like I don't read anything I want to read. I'm just reading stuff that I need to do for research. And he was like, cool, like what? And I was like, oh, uh, FBI journal on things. And then I was looking at some World Health Organization things. He's like, wow, what did it say? And I was like, man, this is going in depth. I was not prepared for this. I said, what are you reading? He goes, I haven't read a lot lately. i was <laughs> like, what? You're killing me, man. It was a great. We had a great conversation. It was really fun. You know what's interesting is sometimes stuff fills our minds. And sometimes when we get together, it's way easier just to stay on the surface. How's your family? What's happening? What you've been doing? Sports stuff, because everybody's following kids around. How are the grandkids? What shows have you watched lately? OK, that's cool. And you kind of are done. This guy wanted to know, like, where's your head at? That was really what he wanted to know. Where's your head? So as our discussion was going, he's like, I've been thinking about these things lately that have been on my mind. I was like, wow, that's interesting. How can I pray for you? He's like, thank you. Here's how you can pray, because I've been pondering this. That's what he, he wanted to have more depth about stuff that was going on in life that wasn't just how are you feeling or cool new shoes. I appreciate that. I'm saying that because these guys are together in the mission. Their discussions are probably not the weather. How do we keep Paul alive? Where's the money bag? Those are two good ones. Have you eaten today? What are we gonna to say to the church when we get there? Paul, we've been here more than two months, it's getting dangerous. I've heard rumors. Where are we staying tonight? Are you sure you wanna to go to Jerusalem? You know what they're gonna to do to you. You can't go back there. It's, you're walking into the hornet's nest. Are you sure you wanna to go to Jerusalem? I don't think this will be good. Remember that guy who had that prophetic word that you'll die? Maybe we should think about that. Like, these are are the real discussions. It's really different than us, isn't it? Let's look at verse 7. On the first day of the week, this is Acts 20, verse 7. At the first day of the week, remember, they've stayed seven days in Troas now. So this is the account of Troas. On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. Intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now, this is the first day of the week, so what day is that? Sunday. So it's the Lord's Day. So they're getting together for a church, and they're in somebody's house. And Paul gathers to speak with them, and he wants to leave right away. So he has an elongated meeting until midnight. That's a long church meeting. Because... They came together just to break bread. Like, what are we doing, guys? That's a long meeting. There were many lamps, verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. A lot of times the upper room is going to be more open so they can fit more people. Verse 9, and a young man named Eutychius was sitting in the window, and he sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, a lot of times the the Bible will use words like as dead, meaning somebody who's hurt really bad or something. Taken up dead is always used, meaning he's dead. He's dead dead. He fell from the third story. He did not make it. Verse 10, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a while longer until daybreak and so departed and they took the youth away alive, and they were not a little comforted. But hold hold on, just a second. In verse 10 it says, do not be alarmed, his life is in him. I'm expecting then it to say, and he came back to life. Instead it says, when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed them a while longer, remember midnight until daybreak, then we find out, oh yeah, he's alive. He just keeps going. And they were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Azos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for he had so arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board, and we went to Mytilene. And sailing there, we came the following day opposite Chios, And the next day we touched Samos, and the day after we went to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Time out. I I get the, you know, that's great that it's telling us about the travels here, verse 13 on, but somebody died and got raised again, and they don't even mention it. It just happened, and they're like, he kept teaching until daybreak. You know, I love youth ministry. I think it's great. Have you ever noticed youth ministry, fall festival, family camp things, conferences? How many times have you heard this this thing? We're going to fellowship, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be so fun. You're going to love it. We're going to fellowship. It'll be fellowship time. You're going to love that fellowship. Come. What does fellowship even mean? Because we use that word a lot. These people are having real fellowship. Notice they do two things. On the first day of the week in verse 7, when they gather together to do what? They're doing communion. They're coming to declare the Lord his death, his resurrection. They're coming to be together. They want to to proclaim Jesus. They want to know his word. It's centered around him. That's what they're doing. And Paul shows up to talk with them. He wants to leave right away. So he's like, guys, can we just stay late? It'll be fine. And they're like, sure. Sure. Then he goes till midnight. They're talking, they're teaching, they're doing stuff. What are they doing? He's imparting to them in urgency all the things they need to know about Jesus. They're there for him. They met to have communion. And now he's opening the word with them to tell them all the things they need to know. And while he keeps talking still longer, this guy Eutychius falls asleep and falls out the window. Now Eutychius like Aristarchus and others, is an interesting name. And in Greek, it's a word that means lucky. (laughs) Eutychius means lucky. The problem is, Eutychius is not lucky. Eutychius, in a very unlucky moment, falls asleep and falls out a window and dies. And Paul comes down and wakes him up again. And then goes upstairs, and what does he do? Yep, look at verse 11. He went up, and when Paul had gone up and had broken bread. What's the right response? What's the right response to somebody raised from the dead? Let's declare he died for us. Let's come back. We're going to come back to Jesus. It's him, because you can get stuck in the miracle. They don't get stuck in the miracle. Instead, the miracle is just, thank you, Lord, but you... What? What is fellowship? Fellowship is orienting the church, each other, onto Jesus. That's what fellowship is. It's fun. It is fun. It is relationship. It is good. I'm sure that they had a couple minutes of break occasionally. we got to light the lanterns. Let's get out some more bread. How the cardinal's doing. That's fine. Those things are good. But the fellowship that they have together is to encourage and strengthen and comfort each other in Jesus Christ and his gospel and reorient them. And, hey, don't think about being lucky. Luck has nothing to do with it. He died. But lucky's alive again because of Jesus, not because of him. That's the message. What, what a message. And then it's daybreak and you got to go to work. And they're like, we'll go to work very comforted. And what does Paul do? He jumps in a ship and he's like, "I'm out." That's it's the urgency is amazing. How does God grow the church? He grows the church by being centered on Jesus. He's anti-racism in all things. He builds the church with people who are coming together, who love him, who come to him in all things. He's the solution. We don't look for luck. We don't look for anything else. Sometimes there's riots. Sometimes they want to kill us. But in all of those things, we come back to Jesus. Always Jesus. Always him. Always his mission. Always his love. Always his gospel. Always Jesus. That's this is Romans 20 or Acts 20. It's all about Jesus. And the great news that we have is that same Jesus who rose from the dead. The same Jesus that encountered Paul. The same Jesus who rose lucky from the dead has raised us from the dead, too. He's the same one who still speaks to us now. But we tend to have fellowship that's sort of just around other things. What would it be like if we sink down into what we're reading? And the first question we ask each other is not, you know, did you catch the game? Which, listen, there's nothing wrong. I like the game. The blues are about to play. I want to talk about the blues. They're great, right? I want to talk about the new cars that are coming out. Praise God, all those things. I like all that stuff, but also notice what they do. There's such a, an urgency about Jesus. Have we lost that? Has the church lost that? When we come together, is it, is it a quite like, what are you reading? What, what's God shown you? Where are you in this? Have you, I gotta tell you what the Holy Spirit showed me. Here's what it is. I I met with a guy one time and he told me something. We're in a group we're chatting about the Bible. It's so great, and we're talking. And the guy goes, here's something I've never known. Now, this guy, pastor for decades, like, this guy's a, you know, he's a Bible scholar kind of guy. And he goes, I never noticed this before in Exodus. I never noticed this link to Genesis. What do you think about that? And one of the other guys with us, we're all listening, like, huh, Uh huh, yeah, that, that sounds like God. You know, that's the response, right? And one of the guys goes, well, I don't read like that. You know, that was his response. And it was so funny because we're just talking together. You know, Aristarchus, he's got a lot of education. Berean guy, a lot of education. Luke, a lot of education. Secundus, second best slave, faithful with the money, faithful with the mission, not the most educated. What if you're not from the best family? not a Washington, but also what if you didn't go to Princeton? The Lord doesn't care. The Lord doesn't care. And he elevates us. You know, God took fishermen, fishermen. You know, there are some scholars that think that the book of Mark, that first Peter, these books cannot possibly, cannot possibly be from Peter the fisherman. Mark was Peter's disciple. So Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is really Peter talking. And they're saying, this, there's, it's impossible. A fisherman? He can't, there's, the Greek is too good. Well, he learned. Because there's something about the kingdom that elevates us and pulls us up. And then we come to the meal and we see Jesus. And it's urgent. And we want to know him. And we want to study. And what are you reading? And what are you doing? And what's on your mind? And all the things. And then also we can watch the Blues game. Praise God. But the first love that we have is in Jesus. The first fellowship that we have is in his meal. The first proclamation we have is that Jesus died and rose again. And it's different than our culture, isn't it? You will have some riding people if you jump into work and just straight up, like, I want to announce what I'm reading in the Bible today. Maybe don't be, you know, be bold. Be wise. Be bold and be wise. What if instead, like that friend I mentioned to you, we can put some depth to the relationships we already have and just meet with somebody and say, hey, are you reading, are you watching anything? What, do you do, what are you into lately? What are you thinking about? Can I tell you what I'm thinking about? I was reading an Acts about what God is doing, and I'm thinking about what if it was like that still today? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I think probably it's like that still today. So how do I do that? I've been thinking about that. What do you think? What are they going to say? I don't know. Cool. You should come to church with me. Like this natural though, right? With people we already know and relationships we already have, whether your name is Secundus or whether your name is Luke or whether your name is Aristarchus or whether you are Eutychius and just a lucky person, whatever it is, because God uses all of them. This is the God we serve. And he is good, isn't he? He is really good. I had a really cool closing illustration. I don't remember it now. (laughs) It's totally gone out of my head. But I'm going to stop with this. I just want to tell you this. He's the same. God's the same. When I read this, I'm like, Lord, I want this. Don't you want this? Can I also tell you this? Don't be under pressure to do it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Amen, isn't it? And God calls all of us, regardless of our education or our names. How cool is that? Now, here's another thing. I'm just going to share this with you. God calls all of us where he calls us. So I'm saying that to you to say, don't go home and say, Lord, I want to be on the platform. If God wants you on the platform, you will be on the platform. But we put too much emphasis. Paul's in a house. Somebody fell out a window. We put too much emphasis on the platform. Instead, how can God use you this week that you can encourage somebody next Sunday? Because you're in the word, you know, you're ready. And then you walk up to somebody and you're like, I've been praying for you all week. They're going to be built up. Or a neighbor where you're like, hey, what are you reading? Or somebody just where God's already put us. Let's see what he does. And maybe if God uses us and puts our names on buildings, amen. But if he doesn't, we're just going to be faithful to what he says. Because at the end of the day, Paul didn't raise Eutychius from the dead. Now, he did, in the sense of he leant over him and said some stuff. It's God's power. The Lord's the one who did it because the Lord was with them. And then the encouragement is just, oh, man, this just came to me. Just as God raised him from the dead, did you know he's with you right now? They come, it's stunning to me that they come back to communion. He's with you right now because that's just a sign of what he really did. How cool is that? Let's focus on what he really did. Amen? It's good times. Will you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for faithful people like Secundus. Thank you, God, that you called everybody. Lord, thank you that you didn't just leave your people in the ethnic Jews, God. Thank you, God, that you opened up through Jesus your covenant, the new covenant for all of us who would believe that would be ingrafted into your people. Thank you, Lord, that you, you go past boundaries, you go past philosophies, or national boundaries. They don't mean nothing to you. Lord, you are above all things. Lord, you even rose at Eutychius from the dead. How awesome. Lord, we want to see you move like that with us. Lord, we want to come together and to know your presence in all things. Lord, help us to be faithful to your word. Help us to be faithful to your table. Because we want to proclaim you, Lord, Jesus' death and resurrection. But Father, also, help us to fellowship in your Holy Spirit the way that you call us to. Lord, help us not to just have dividing walls of names or nationalities or anything like that. But instead, Lord, we submit all of our thoughts to you, all of our attention to you. We ask you, Lord, that you would fill us by yourself. Lord, fill our minds that we would see you, that we would serve you, that we would know you. Lord, use us to build up other people. Father, give us revelation deep in our hearts and in our minds. We want to worship you with our hands, with our minds, with our mouths, with everything. Lord, use us to speak your word to people this week. And Father, we ask you, according to your word, for a great harvest of disciples who we can disciple that they might know your glory as well. Lord Jesus, who died and rose again, forever second person of the Trinity, God Almighty, we thank you that you have saved us. We proclaim you. Lord, use us this week, we pray for your glory. May you know the call of the Father in every area of your life. May you not take any identity from your family name, but instead in his heritage and in his family name as a Christian, know the power of being called by the Father. May you know the rule of the Son who has planted you where you are, that your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your friends, God has given them to you to be a light to them. May you know also the power of the Holy Spirit, that he is with you, the third person of the Trinity, He is with you, the counselor who will tell you what to say, who will guide you in all things, who will keep you in righteousness, who will convict you of sin, who will use you to be a light to your neighbors. He is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. In the name of the triune King, I pray, know his peace this week. God bless you and keep you. He is with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great day.